Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. episode of the doctor's companion this is episode 45 uh, i'm scott corelli and with me of course is matt smith hi but not that matt hi. smith how are you guys doing what's going on <laughs> yes <laughs> um and uh, we're going to be talking about the fourth doctor story the horns of nyman today um yes, yes the last of the uh douglas adams era episode yeah the yeah, the one season he did, this is the final story of that season, yeah. Oh. Um, so I always feel, I feel like he did more than that, just because people talk about him on the show and being involved mm-hmm. in the show a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, he did, uh, he did one story in the season before, which was the Key to Time, the six-part Key to Time story. Right, right, uh, he did the, the pirate one, yeah. Which I have my own problems with, um, but uh, he did this season too, and it's and it's most I think it's most famous because he did City of Death, um, and he's the one who really it, when it comes to, when I think about it I always think about him doing C, uh, City of Death because City of Death is so incredible, um, and then he was supposed to do one more story after this one, uh, which was Shada. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay. So it's really his season, uh, and it's like the, also the final season for Graham Williams, who's a producer. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, well, uh, before we get to that stuff, um, we're from the website geekshowentertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Geekin', Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, Movie Night at Geek Show, which you actually guested on this week. I did, yes. Yes, yes, that was very exciting. Um, and you will be doing it again this week. Uh, oh, Ge- yes, yes. Ge- Geek Show Soundcheck and the newest podcast, Super Geeks, uh, with more shows uh, on the way. You can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. And if you listen to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. All right, the Horns of Nyman. What do you got for uh, background and significance, Matt? Okay, well, uh, the Horns of Nyman is the final story, as we were just talking about, of season 17, which is Tom Baker's sixth season. Um, uh, it was supposed to be the second-to-last story, the last story being uh, Shada, which would be written by Douglas Adams and would be the end of the Graham Williams era. But alas, it's uh, it's the Horns of Nyman because of a strike and things didn't really work out the way they wanted it to, so this becomes the last story. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think it's it's... It's interesting as a send-up to the Williams era because I'm not a huge fan of it as a as a general rule. Um, it's oh, it's it's kind of hokey. It's a little campy. It, it portrays a 
sorry, that was really loud. Um, <laughs> it portrays a, a, a fourth doctor that I'm not super interested in. Um, but it, it, it's still the end of, a, of an era. Uh, Graham Williams himself was brought in after uh, uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, who did the Tom Baker's miraculous, incredible, genius first three seasons. Um, and Douglas Adams, of course, famous for uh, Hitchhiker's, the Ga- Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, and uh, uh, they both left at the end of the season uh, because Graham Williams had had enough dealing with Tom Baker being a diva, and Graham and not Graham, not Graham Williams, but Douglas Adams had been promised to bring in uh, new writers, uh, writers who weren't you know so new and or, or not new but like veteran writers because Doctor Who had this tradition of only hiring the same writers because they couldn't find anyone else who wanted to write for the show and and they you know Douglas Adams didn't want that he wanted some new blood but Graham Williams wasn't able to provide so they both kind of left um it's written by Anthony Reed who did who was the script editor for the second half of Graham Williams's first season and through the entirety of the key to time um so this is like his at the end of each uh, script editors reign they're allowed to write one episode or at least that's what Robert Holmes or not Robert Holmes but Terrence Dix uh, told Robert Holmes which gave him Robot I think um, sorry I'm talking uh, but Anthony Reed based this story on um, the story of uh, Theseus and the Minotaur so it's like filled with like a labyrinth and stuff and it's directed by Kenny McBain who <laughs> as far as I'm concerned rightfully never directed another story of Doctor Who uh, not that this is bad it's just that i don't think he had a very good control over his actors uh, <laughs> <No>. so that's <laughs> so that's that's basically the horns of nine um i don't know did you realize that this was like theseus and the minotaur uh the the story of the I, i'm not familiar with that story so oh it's the it's the greek myth about the guy who uh is from athens and he goes to uh and he goes to i think it's minos on crete um and he uh, goes into the labyrinth and has help from this this girl who's like a princess um, and he goes into the labyrinth to, f- to kill this minotaur which is like a half bull half man um, and then he, he that's the one where it's like the ball of string is used to help him get out of the labyrinth um, so it's it, that's where this comes from and as we'll go through I'll talk about all the all the cool like references they use but uh, it's kind of ham handed but we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But that's that's the horns of Nyman. That's where it comes from. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it wasn't too boring. There's a lot to talk about because we haven't talked about Graham Williams before. We'll talk about him more as we get into more of his stories. But yeah, that's that's basically where this is. Oh, and it's the first time we're talking about K9 and the second incarnation of Romana, um, played by Lala Ward, who would eventually go on to marry, very briefly, Tom Baker. Uh, and... Um, it's a, it's an interesting team, unique, very very unique. Uh, yeah, um, she's she's vastly superior to the first Romana, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I I would but, agree with that. Yeah. Although this is not her best vehicle at all, as far as I'm oh, this concerned. episode you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I I'm like not. I don't. I, I don't know. Like I'm not. I guess I'm not seeing all the hate that you have for this, or like the, I don't know indifference or whatever you, mm-hmm. you're very you're very hard on this story i think i um, am but... i just think it's incredibly mediocre i mean i every time i watch it i like it a little bit more but it's not it's very cheap it's very um it's very uh camp and it's very uh drawn out and sparse like nothing really happens in the entire first episode and even then the rest of the story nothing really happens they could probably condense this to three parts and be just fine uh, but uh-huh. alas, it's four parts. Um, most of it also comes from 
the portrayals of the actors who every single person is just completely over the top. Um, yeah. Like, and, it, and, it's, and it's saying something because, like, Tom Baker looks positively acting like he's normal in this, which is which is very unique for Tom Baker, especially later on, as far as I'm concerned. But, like, you have Soul Deed, you have the Cole Pilot, you even have Romana, who's, you know, Romana's just shouting at people uh, and giving, yeah. like, every hand performance she has. So that's really where it comes from. The Naimon, I think they're cool, but they look cheap. Um, and they wear platform shoes. Um, <laughs> they do. Also, <laughs> their that's... heads, their heads uh, miraculously become crooked on their shoulders often. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. I don't know how that works, but uh, I guess it does. There's probably biologically. I wish someone would explain to me how that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly. Don't. Um, um, but yeah, you could make you could you could really make this into a drinking game where it's just like. Any time an actor looks at the camera, take a drink. <laughs> because... Every time someone shouts, take a drink. Uh, yeah. Every time, every time someone says the Naimon be praised, be take a drink. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. I think in here, my thing about Horns of Diamond is like in here, there's a really incredibly fascinating story, um, something that's really really interesting and really good. But from my perspective, I think the production of it is that's weak. If you ask me, like it's not, it's definitely not a strong story, um, co- especially compared to other things that they've done, or even City of Death in this season. Like uh, City of Death, granted, is miraculously good, but I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of the era. I'm not a huge fan of like straight com- comedic Doctor Who. Despite City of Death being very funny, I think there's a really strong like sci-fi bent to it. Um, but Horns of Nyman, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't quite sit with me. I don't hate it as much as some people. Like, some people hate this story. Like, uh, flatten out, hate it. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, there's plenty in here to like uh, and, and laugh at. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and John Leeson totally didn't come back for K-9 after he did, like, two seasons as K-9. And the voice is different, and I hate the voice. Like, the, the voice of K-9 is really annoying to me in this. Oh it's yeah, not... it's it's apparently uh, David Brearley mm-hmm. um, did the voice of K nine in this, it, but it was his final appearance as K nine. Right, they managed to bring this. back K nine for the next season, like John Leeson back for the next season because they were like, "We're writing you out." But um, I I don't like I don't like Brearley at all. Like I think he he's 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 not got the like the heart and the silliness of uh, of Leeson, who just kind of encapsulates the characters in all ways. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see yeah. that. All right. Well, uh, before we start our uh, our discussion of the episode, um, or I guess finish our discussion of the episode, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to uh, remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Why the Last Man Deluxe Edition, Volume Three, by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. This book is available for only eighteen fifty nine, which is thirty eight percent off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. And we're also coming to the end of the month, so get those orders in, because it's still really good comics. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's, let's, get this, uh, let's get this train rolling with part one, and what is possibly the worst model spaceship I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's not it's not the worst I've seen because it looks like I've they carved it out of foam and like just painted it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 also got like those weird angles that like you know 
when people design spaceships, they design something that looks cool that's not necessarily functional, and I don't think that some of this ship is functional. Like, it's got yeah. weird wings on it and stuff. Um, like, just, like, extra space that I don't think this ship needs. Um, but, but the thing yeah. that's funny about it, though, is uh, the director, um, whoever you said it was, he was McBain, apparently... Kenny McBain. Yeah, Kenny McBain. He was really proud of that spaceship because, <laughs> I mean, he held on it for a really long time. Yeah, and and like then every time that he gets an opportunity to show the spaceship, like he just goes out and shows it. It's pretty, yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, he's um, like establish a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go to the spaceship. We're on the spaceship, um, and there's a pilot and a co-pilot, uh, and they're both acting like very over the top. Um, <laughs> the co-pilot, um, we'll, especially we'll talk about. Oh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But oh yeah, God. He's, He's so over the top. Um, he was the worst part of this by far. <laughs> by far. Yeah. Well, we'll show you on a YouTube how awful he is. Um, but but they're on a ship and they're talking about He doesn't about even have a how... name. That's funny. <laughs> He's just the co-pilot, yeah. He's just um, co-pilot. I thought that's just what you were calling him. And I was like, what's his name? And I went and looked and I was like... The co-pilot, okay, <laughs> which is which is funny because like he's he's not it's not like he's only in this like the pilot is only in like the first scene and then he's dead spoilers um but like the co-pilot's around for like two episodes and they never yeah. give him a name which is really funny <laughs> oh, I guess Anthony Anthony Reed couldn't be bothered to do that um so we get all this background about how this ship is is transporting cargo to to this place called Crinon I think that's the planet it's Crinon Skanos. Sorry, Skanos. Um, uh, transporting to this place called Skanos, which is um, uh, in the allegory of the story. That's Minos, which is the the city of Crete. At least they think it is. Don't. Yeah, that's the that's the place. And they're transporting these Anethans, which is kind of like Athens. Um, and they um, and they're talking about how they're transporting, and the co-pilot's really impatient, and he wants to get home. And so they decide to take a small shortcut, but they overload the computer, which is because the ship is very old and broken down. Uh, they overload the computer, and the ship starts to starts to like spin because they're heading towards like this gravity well of like a black hole that's starting to form. Uh, there's this really great part where the co-pilot goes to check on these kids who are the cargo, and he just like walks in, and it's like the it's funny because like he does it like four times like he walks in looks at the kids and just says weakling scum and then he walks out yeah (laughs) fantastic um you know call me crazy but i think those kids are gonna have uh, self-image problems i think so um not (laughs) seth though because that guy that guy's owning it uh but we'll talk about that in just a minute um (laughs) i know why um so we uh, we go on we go to the TARDIS and the tar and the Doctor and Romana and K nine are doing repairs on the TARDIS. It looks like and it it's kind of a mess. And there's all sorts of like wiring and there's a cowboy hat on the main console, which is funny, I guess. Um, and they they start talking and they start they realize that they're being slowly pulled into the singularity um, and they're heading towards the spaceship. And we get the awful voice of K nine, and we, 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 they pretty much crash into the ship, um, or into the ship's deflector shields, and the ship feels it, and they're like, "Oh my god, what happened?" Um, and so the doctor extends a um, like a, a force field ramp from the TARDIS to the ship, which is kind of cool. And Romana and the Doctor and K nine all head towards the ship. They get onto the ship, and the Doctor's like, "Okay, K nine, go back to the ship," which is 
<laughs> Random. Um, I know. I thought that was so funny. I was like, wait. Um. <laughs> and they so, even show you what they show them walking through the force field uh, bridge yeah. or whatever, and they're like pulling K nine along. Like, come on, come on, come on. Now go back. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it makes the best sense. In fact, I'll I tell think you they're right just now, abusing that sense. poor dog. Oh well, you know, <laughs> the doctor for some reason loves yelling at K nine, like just yells at him. Uh, not so much in this, but later on, because uh, he's actually kind of kind to K nine in this. Uh, Was this the part where he keeps covering his mouth? I think so. Yeah, where he'll just like K nine starts talking and giving information, and the doctor just like shuts him up by like covering his mouth, and it's really kind of weird. Um, and so they they break into the cargo hold where there are these kids who are wearing yellow and um, this main child who's a prince of Aneth or he claims to be a prince named Seth walks up and is like who are you guys and the doctor's like oh we're friends here have a jelly baby which is and uh, Romana takes one of the jelly babies to prove that they're not poisoned and the kids all take the candy which is suspect strange guy in a scarf comes by offering you candy kids don't don't eat the candy. Um, <laughs> I I don't think that's the biggest stretch in the world, personally. But whatever. Some people can be morons. Um, so <laughs> while they're doing, this, I'd eat the candy. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind, I guess. Um, so we we then cut to um, we then cut to Skanos, where we meet this guy named Soldied, who's dressed like the Wizard of Oz and carries a staff. Um, and I don't even think he's dressed like the Wizard of Oz, but whenever I think of him, I think of the Wizard of Oz, because um, he's just, he's, he, I think earlier you were telling me that he looks like the master from the movie, like when the master puts on the robes, um, and... No, he looks like, he looks like the master from Curse of Fatal Death, that's... Oh, Curse of Fatal Death, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's... Yeah, 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 the really, the really goofy master from that, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he reminds me of, because of how over the top and like, you know, hammy he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> he he's practically like I can't believe, honestly, I, I really can't believe that he's getting any words out, considering he's so busy with his mouth full of the scenery. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous. Like this guy, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it makes it's it's it makes it kind of fun, you know, mm-hmm. I, because it's because like you said, I mean, it's not it's not the best story, but the fact that like. Uh, these people are are so like over the top. It actually makes it more entertaining than it probably would be otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we cut, and Soldian hears that the ship's been detained, and he gets really pissed, um, and he starts yelling at people because. Soldied in this, like, uh, Soldied is overacting to the point where he's actually pretty fantastic, if you ask me. Like, uh-huh. he's, because Graham Crowden, like, who just recently passed away, like, a couple months ago, um, just goes, like, he's, he takes the role and he just goes absolutely bonkers with it. And he just mm-hmm. does basically whatever he wants. And it's, it actually kind of works. Uh, as much as I'm loath to say that it works, it works. Um, <laughs> and so. Also, he was offered the role of the fourth doctor before Tom Baker. Which uh, would have been strange, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but... Yeah. He turned it down because he couldn't uh, uh, give up three years of his life or whatever toward for, for the show. But I guess they eventually brought him back to be a villain. Well, I think it's much you know it's much less time-consuming to do a, a one-off villain in one story. Um, yeah, yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe if the story takes like three years to make... Which would be a hell of a story. It's like the Daleks' master plan times like seven. 
Um, <laughs> so like the Daleks' master master plan with the Cybermen and the master, like that would be the that would be. The, I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we cut back to the ship, and the co- the co-pilot shows up, and the pilot's dead, and the co-pilot's like, "Who are you guys?" And the doctor's like, "Well, I'm the doctor." And the guy's like, "Can you fix the ship?" And the doctor's like, "Uh," and so he's like, "Okay, so fix the ship." So they go and they start fixing the ship. Um, there's some. It's it's much of the running around where like the doctor goes back to the TARDIS and then he comes back to the ship and the gravity starts to go so everything goes into slow motion. Romana's created her own sonic screwdriver. The doctor tries to steal the sonic screwdriver. It doesn't work because Romana's really smart. I like Romana's sonic screwdriver. I do, I, I do too. I think it's really I think it's really good. It's well it's well done. I think especially but it's it's one of those things where it's like in the first story of the season, Destiny of the Daleks, which is the first story of Romana too. She's dressed like the doctor with like a an outfit and a scarf and stuff. Um, so it's really interesting that they kind of try to make her like a female version of the Doctor, which is interesting. Um, uh-huh. I'm not crazy about her out. horse riding outfit, however. Yeah, I'm not super on it too because it's somewhere between. Um, my girlfriend called it a uh, a like a pirate outfit, sort of like a you know like a, a pirate guy's outfit. But like, I don't think it works as that either. Like, it's somewhere in the middle, and it doesn't quite work for me. I yeah, I kept waiting for her to like jump on the Nyman's back and, like, <laughs> and start try and like ride him. him. Yeah, <laughs> like a fucking Bronco. Uh, yeah, and well, and like bring out one of those like whip things, you know? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like a riding like crop. It, yeah, 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 the riding crop and like the and like the helmet that they wear. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kept waiting um, for that moment. It didn't happen. I was disappointed. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, maybe maybe in the Nyland sequel that eventually happens. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe really? that'll happen. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, actually, the, the Nyland have appeared in an audio play called Seasons of Fear, which is with uh, the Eighth Doctor and Charlie. And they're Ooh. actually really fantastic in that, um, if you want to, if you like the Nyland and want to see them actually used really well. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I recommend that one. It's actually pretty Here, Here's the thing. About, here's Hawkeye. the thing about this, though. Like, the basic concept of the story, which is, like, uh, this alien race sends, like, one of their species to this... Is it another dimension? Was that... It's, a, it's another, another planet, planet on the other side of the galaxy. Okay, okay. So, yeah. um, they send them to here, and they're just like, you know, like, I'm your god, and I need this and this and this, and you're going to give it to me, and in return, I'm going to do this and this and this for you. Mm-hmm. And they believe him, and, and, you know, and he does it, and sacrifices quote unquote um these all these people like that idea and then like it turns out that he's actually just one of like an entire race and this is what they mm-hmm. do to get what they want across the universe like that idea just in concept alone i think is really cool oh, personally yeah. um mm-hmm. so i i think maybe that's that's the part that i sort of like um walked away with it. the most yeah. from this story and maybe that's mm-hmm. why I liked it so much. I don't know. Well, that's maybe, one of my Maybe if I watched like... it again and knew that that's what the story was, um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't like it as much. I don't know. But that's not I I completely I I see that. It's because like to me the best thing about this is the Naiman despite the fact that they look completely ridiculous. Um, yeah. the the Naiman in concept as we'll talk about a little bit later is really 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 well done like i think mm-hmm. they're just brilliant as a as a as an enemy like a nemesis for the doctor like not necessarily the doctor but just in terms of like really strong aliens who i wouldn't mind seeing coming showing up again um mm-hmm. and that's why i like seasons of fear because seasons of fear really does do a really strong treatment of the naiman uh with like the naiman trying to invade earth and the doctor trying to stop them um although that's a bit of a spoiler i guess um <laughs> 
Sorry. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think you're completely right about that because the Nymon, I, I really, every time I think about this, I think about how cool the Nymon are because they do a really good job of portraying them really, really well in this. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the Nymon in this look like minotaurs with like, uh, like one of those codes that you put into a video game to give everybody a big head. Like, oh yes. That's that's what they look like. They look like like, a, like in like in Goldeneye, which I would do all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> just because, yeah, exactly. It's the silliest code, but you're just best, like Hee-hee, best headshot, best headshot opportunities ever. Yeah, <laughs> just like one shot kills. Um, yeah, but that that's yeah. what they remind me of. It's like a minotaur with with that code with the big head code punched in, mm-hmm. like and rubber faces, which is silly. Um, well, but yeah, rubber yeah, crooked no, faces. I, <laughs> that that aren't completely well realized. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like I I really love the Nyman, but I I think that like they're mired amidst a story that's mostly weak just from just from limited capabilities. Like it's it's much cheaper than the story that we're going to watch in 2 weeks or not 2 weeks but 3 weeks. Like compare the the production values of this story to the Deadly Assassin and it's like night and day. Like it just it looks cheap. And while I I don't mind things being cheap, it it it's almost too much for me. Like it, it right. I don't notice production values. Like if it's a good story, it enhances the production, like the production values enhance a good story. But if yeah. it's like a good story with weaker production values, I'm willing to overlook it. But if it's a lower in quality story, but the production values are lower, it's like one of those knock points against it, you know? Right. So right. like, that's generally where I am with this story specifically. Um, cause I do think there's some really cool things in here. Really mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, I mean the sacrifices. Uh, what what are, what are they? What are they called? The Anethans. Um, yeah, the Anethans. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys. Um, they. Uh, I mean, they look like they're dressed in curtains. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yellow curtains, which is yeah. kind of strange. Why? Like you know that a production des- like one of the costume designers was just like. I need all the tasteless curtains in Britain, and everyone just happened to have yellow curtains, and she just made something out of that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I, I imagine I imagine that somebody just got some new curtains for their office, and they're like, and, and the costume designer is just like, I still haven't found the perfect material for <laughs> for their costumes, <laughs> and like walk past his office and like, oh, those are some nice curtains, give them to me, and then they got really sad <laughs> because they didn't have curtains anymore. <laughs> But how am I supposed to not let in all the light? I don't understand. You should have thought of that before you got yellow curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, Anyway, so the Doctor and Romana manage to fix the ship. They use... The the Anethans are holding these orbs, like these seven orbs that have a special metal in them, and they're considered gifts for the Nyman, uh, which are working with these Skenosians who live on this planet. Uh, and the Skenosians were a warrior race, but now they're not for whatever reason, because um, because uh, they fought the Anethans and they won, so now they have to demand tribute. It's very very Greek myth, um, and so Romana and the Doctor use these um, use these orbs, two of them, to rewire the ship and make it work. And as soon as they have the ship working, the Doctor returns to the TARDIS to prepare to dematerialize, and the co-pilot acts like a total jerk and just jettisons the TARDIS from the force field. And sends the, and starts moving away from this black hole, which they can suddenly get out of. And 
Romana gets really pissed off, and the, the yeah, co-pilot's like tough, and like holds a gun to her and drops her in the cargo I, hold, and then starts. Yeah, I love that it was like a uh, it was like a yelling a yelling competition between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, it's just like well, it's... seeing who could raise their their voice uh, louder. Turns out the co-pilot. Yeah. One yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's like if like I constantly feel that the story is just people trying to act off each other. Like like it's just like it's like an act off, like a dance off, but with acting. Um, uh-huh. Like who can who can who can raise their voice the loudest? And I think that like the the co pilot is constantly picking fights with everyone and yeah. constantly winning just to show like how good he is. And I don't mean that from like a character standpoint, but from an actor standpoint. And uh, Lala Ward as Ramana is one of the few people who like goes up against him and will just like try and shout him down, which is one of my problems with it. It's just like it's just like everyone's just so over the top that it's all and it's good at times but not always great, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but that's that's that. Uh, so <laughs> the doctor is stuck in the TARDIS that's not moving, and he uh, sees that there's a planet coming, and he's with K9, and he's like, oh no, there's a planet coming towards us, and then we uh, end the episode. It's a cliffhanger. Um, so Yeah, and the planet just looks like a meatball. Um, maybe yeah. it was because I was eating spaghetti at the time. I don't know. <laughs> but it it seriously, it just looked like a meatball. Like flying My favorite are the are the meteoroids as the as the ship starts to pull away from the TARDIS there are like these four like sponge things that are like floating yeah. in space it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal I think um, yeah yeah but, so uh, like this this meatball is flying towards the TARDIS and the doctor's just like oh no what are we gonna do and then just like hugs K9 and that's what we finish on it's a really it's weird like the, ending it's such a goofy cliffhanger I mean it is really it is um, I actually think like later cliffhangers are actually pretty good, but this one's really, really weak. Like it's just I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's just doesn't, yeah, it's not great. Well, the you know what the the problem I I have too. Um, this is the first time that I've seen anyway uh, from mm-hmm. the episodes that we've been watching that the cliffhangers are shot as cliffhangers and then reshot in the following episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, not as cliffhangers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like they're shot specifically as cliffhangers. Like this, this shot of like Tom Baker, you know, hugging K uh, nine uh, and holding on his terrified look. But then when we go into part two, he's like K nine, just like immediately is just like, uh, what about this? And he's like, oh yeah, right, okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 we'll see that later in other stories. Um, but yeah, this one's it's it feels like. It, almost if you watch this from like a uh if you were able to like s- remove the episodes themselves and just do it as like a full like hour and a half long movie that you'd be just fine and you wouldn't have to cut anything you wouldn't have to change anything you could just do it and be fine you know what i mean uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the other one that I think of that does that is the visitation which is like every every cliffhanger is resolved by by not consider by literally continuing the footage by about 2 seconds um, yeah, yeah. Which is which is pretty phenomenal. Um, That's how this so, one was too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's like there's there's to... one especially in just in like uh, I think at the end of part three, three. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one is just that's just so funny. Like I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll get there though. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. We're we'll in part there. two. Um, so we're in part two, and the doctor is talking to K9. He's like, we're going to get hit by a cricket, like a cricket ball. And he's like, oh, wait, I know. And so he starts spinning the TARDIS, which I think is actually really clever. Did I um, say cricket ball? <laughs> <laughs> and he's so, like, he's so, like, he's so, like, kind of smug about it, but in a cool way. Um, so yeah. he starts spinning the TARDIS. 
And the planet hits the TARDIS, and, and the TARDIS just knocks off the planet, which is... Alright, I guess that's realistic. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can understand the physics of it. I don't know if it's entirely right. Like, if the, if the, tar- if the TARDIS... I guess if you spun the TARDIS fast enough and hit it across Earth, that it would work. But I don't know if it would work in this. Alas. 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 Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so then we cut to Saldeed, uh, who's dressed like a wizard still and carrying a staff. And he meets up with the Naimon. And <laughs> the Naimon is, like, really silly looking. And the Naimon's like, we need these we need these, um, we need these, sacrifices. And Saldeed is like, well, the ship got delayed. And the Naimon's really pissed off. And Saldeed is a wimp and, like, cowering before the Naimon and, uh, I guess, walks away. Um, because he's, you know, the Naimon really need these sacrifices. And we cut back to the, um, to the cargo hold, where Romana is, wants to start an uprising, and despite the fact that there's, like, ten kids or something, and only one co-pilot, granted, he has a gun, but whatever, um, (laughs) she's like, let's start an uprising, and the kids are just like, the kids are just like, whatever. Uh, and Romana's like, well, I'll start an uprising. And then she realizes that she left the sonic screwdriver, her sonic screwdriver, in the in the cockpit. And she's like, crap. So then she sits down and she starts talking to Seth, who's this uh, Anethan prince or something. And this this cracks me up because he's he's like, they're all sitting all next to each other, and yes. he's revealing the fact that he's not a prince and that he lied and made it all up, and no one hears him. Yeah. And, like, not only that, but, like, you know, his entire, like, existence is predicated on the notion that he's lying to these people. And, like, you know, he just tells Romana, like, right off the bat, just like, you know, I'm I'm not who they think I am. Like, <laughs> with, no, with no, like, con- consideration. But I guess he's a kid, so that makes sense, but, like... I don't know. It's just so strange. Um, and he's he's always constantly joined by this girl named Tika, who is so into him in, like, all situations. Like, all she wants is to make out with him. You just know it. Uh-huh. Like, she's like, Seth is gonna save us! Seth is gonna save us! And Seth's just like, shut up! I'm not... Don't don't put that on me. Um, <laughs> which is funny. Um, <laughs> and so we then get this really quick scene back in the TARDIS where the doctor's trying to get the thing working again and he starts getting the console moving and then the the whole thing explodes and then the doctor says, now that's interesting. Um, which is camp. Um, I don't know. Did you like that one? I don't know if I liked it. I can't decide. It's a little... Oh. Liked what? Like, what do you mean? There's a, there's like the the scene itself, the one where the TARDIS kind of explodes, like the console explodes, and then there's like massive explosion, and then the Doctor just kind of pauses and goes, "Now that's interesting." Like it was very, I don't know, it feels very Douglas Adams to me. Um, oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, this this whole episode feels really Douglas Adams. I mean, mm-hmm. you if you take this uh, and compare it to you know like the Hitchhiker's Guide, like I. Mm-hmm. You, I totally see that this is the same guy working on both these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the comedic beats but, are very similar. Like the the yeah. style of humor is very that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. I just you know it's it's weird. I guess I mm-hmm. just it's just strange. Yeah, to me, my, my, my whole thing is, like, I don't mind Douglas Adams' humor. Granted, I never made it past the third Hitchhiker's book because I was I I couldn't I couldn't handle it at that point. Um, but like. I don't know, I'm not, I'm, he's funny, like, don't get me wrong, Hitchhiker's Guide is very funny, and I, I do like Douglas Adams, um, and he did do City of Death, which is incredible, but I'm not sure if I like it in a Doctor Who context, it's a little too, not slapsticky, but sort of, like, uh, silly for me, 
Um, I mean, I'm all for silly, but it's almost too much, uh, at least for me. Um, although it is it is funny in places, and I find myself laughing at this a little bit more than I have in the past. But alas, that's just what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> it's just me. Um, so we cut back to Skonos, where Romana and the children are brought before Saldid, and the co-pilot's there, and Saldid notices that two of these crystals are missing, and he gets really pissed off. And he's like, where are the crystals? And, and the co-pilot's like, well, we had to use them to, to jerry-rig the, the ship. And Saldid's like, no one could do that. No one's that smart. And <laughs> the co-pilot's like, I am. And Saldid's like, no, you're not. Um, so... He gets really pissed off because what we find out that the the Nymon aren't actually feeding on the children; they're feeding on the crystals. Um, or that's the implication, as we'll find out, and we'll find out later that's true. Um, so Saldi gets really pissed off and sends the co-pilot into the uh, into the complex, and the co-pilot is in the complex and he has a gun, which is interesting. And Ramana and the children go in after him, and but they get separated because. Um, this, this complex is constantly moving. Like, it's, you know, they'll round a corner and hit a dead end after, you know, a second before it was, like, a, a regular uh, corridor. Uh, so it's yeah. like this labyrinth, I guess, is the allegory of that. There there you go. Um, so so um, Romana and the children start walking through the this place. Uh, and meanwhile, the doctor shows up in the TARDIS... Um, he manages to find his way to Skonos and gets in the, gets out of the TARDIS and is like, hey guys, how's it going? And this is probably my, one of my favorite things about this episode is the doctor says this, this, uh, line, he goes, he's like, he's, he's interrupted by all these guards and he says, take me to your leader. And I realized, um, for the first time that, uh, who has the authority to go in and like bring someone to a leader? I mean, like... This guy, the leader's probably very busy. He has tons of meetings, and he has, you know, tons of reports and memos to read and write, and I don't know. I don't know. I think if I were the leader, I'd be really pissed off to be constantly interrupted by anyone who said, take me to your leader. Um, but that's just, <laughs> that's just, that's just me. Because I hadn't really thought, because seriously, who gives this guard the authority to go, like, take it straight to the leader? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I didn't realize that until just now. But yeah, <laughs> next time you hear really... that... Never thought about that. But it's kind of apt, no? Once you start yeah. <laughs> adding a real-world context to things. Um, it's true. Alien that's... crash lands in a farm land and goes to the farmer, take me to your leader. <laughs> the farmer's like, all right, calls up the president. The president's like, what do you want? He's like, well, I got this alien. The president's yeah. like, I'm really busy. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, bring him in. You know, no, no chain <laughs> look, of command. Look, farmer, uh, what, what's your name? John. Farmer John. Really? Farmer John. Farmer yeah, John. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? What? All right. Anyway, I'm busy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you don't understand. There's aliens. Aliens, you say. Go, come right ahead. Completely, uh, like, bypassing the chain of command and the bureaucracy of trying to schedule a meeting with the president. You know, anytime yeah. you want to go see the president, just go in. Say hi. He has an open door policy. You didn't know that? Yeah. <laughs> open, open door policy, 24-7. Could Although you even imagine what... if the president had an open door policy? <laughs> I can't. There'd be a line in Washington. Like, there'd just be, like, a waiting list of just tons of people just, like, waiting to see him. Oh, yeah. gosh. It would be, be a nightmare. And his yeah. secretary would just be, like, like literally bald. Um, yeah. <laughs> from so much hair ripped out. Um, yeah, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be really interesting, I think. I think there's a story in there somewhere. Um, he's just... He wants to be connected to the people. Duh. Um, 
So the doctor meets Saul Deed, and, uh, and he's like, and he's like, where's Romana? And Saul Deed's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this guy randomly comes in with the sonic screwdriver, and the doctor's like, ah, oh, so you do know Romana? And, he's, and Saul Deed's like, Saul Deed's like, okay, you got me. And the doctor somehow gets away. Like, he runs away and runs into the complex. I don't remember how. Not really important. Um... And he runs into the complex and starts putting stars on the wall to try and figure out how to get his way out of the labyrinth, but the stars keep disappearing off the wall and the walls keep moving, so he gets lost, I guess. And, and while this is going on, Romana and the children come across this body which just vaporizes when they touch it because it's like decomposed and like dust, uh, which is nifty. Um, and then we, I'm get, we're getting to the first YouTube that I want to show, which is the end of the second episode, which is um, the the co-pilot stops in front of stops the children and says, "Okay, well, I found you, and I'm going to take you to the Naimon, and the Naimon's going to forgive me," which is lovely. Um, and, and so the children and Ramana are brought into this room, and the and the co-pilot's like, "Naimon, Naimon," and the Naimon shows up, and the Naimon's like. WTF and the guy's like really scared all of a sudden and overacting his butt off which is I'm gonna be honest again he's so over the top it's kind of fantastic um, I love this guy stuttering yeah, he's like no 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 Lord Naimon no 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 I I brought you to them no and then just like it, it's almost every word he stutters like it's 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 great it's totally great uh, <sighs> it's it's really it's, he's totally I. Uh, in a world of, like, if you're going to do over-the-top acting, like, he really does do a decent job of going completely over-the-top, because he just starts yelling at the Nylon, which is really funny. Um, but it'll be on the YouTube. The YouTubes, again, are going to be posted as comments on the site, so go to the site, check out the post. It'll be the comments. Uh, I'll post them. It'll be sweet. Uh, there will be one more YouTube after this. Um, and so... <laughs> the... The 9-1 then shoots the co-pilot dead and then starts to approach on the children and Romana gets really scared and that's where we end. Um, and I think it's a really strong cliffhanger. Uh, resolved very quickly, as we'll find out in just a minute, but uh, a really strong one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, there. That's the end of the second episode. And we get the 9 and they're wearing platform shoes and kind of like a skin-tight black bodysuit with like a Princess Leia-like, you know, dress thing. Uh, I mean Slave Leia, for all the nerds out there. Um... <laughs> and giant head. Um, so we come back to part three, and the doctor gets out, of, and we get out of the situation because the doctor shows up with like a red cape and yeah, matadors like, the thing, waving it. <laughs> just like he matadors the Nymon, which is so funny. Um, and it is the absolute most disrespectful thing you could have done in that situation. <laughs> yeah. But the Naimon, I guess, apparently doesn't know what a matador is because it's just like, oh, something red. I'm gonna go run after it. <laughs> and it, it. like goes after the after the doctor. And the doctor manages to make the Naimon crash, and and he's like, okay, we're free, let's go. And Romana, Seth, and Tika, who are the Seth and Tika are the two kids who have acting lines, um, <laughs> run away, and the other kids just kind of stand there holding their little orbs. Um, why they don't run, I don't know. They're just so terrified. Um, so uh, the Dr. Romana and Seth and Tika get away um, and uh, get separated and trapped in the complex because they can't find their way out. Um, and then they meet up. It's very much a run around in a lot of ways. Uh, the Naimon recovers and takes the children over to this over to this like sidebar and like takes the, the orb they have, plugs it into a machine, and then kills the child. Um, 
<laughs> to feed on uh, its energy. Have you have you ever played uh, Doom? Like the original I've Doom. I've seen it. I've seen it played. Yeah. I don't remember the... much about it though. Okay. The 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 Nymon, when it's like just walking around, it makes like Doom sounds, like grunts and like the monsters in Doom. They that's what they sound like. They sound <laughs> they like make those like weird grunts and. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just like walking around like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like some with like like some like pig noises mixed in, and it's just yeah. That's I was like I I felt like I was walk, I was playing Doom when <laughs> he was really walking funny. around. It's yeah, so it's, and I love the I love the swagger they have. Like they like I don't know if it's like an acting choice, but like the, the Nymon like kind of sway as they walk like back and forth. I like, think he's just like, trying to balance his head on his shoulders. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised cuz he's like he does that thing they pointed it out in Seinfeld where like normally you walk with or at least when I when I think about walking I walk about like my right foot goes forward and then my left arm swings forward too. So like I have like my opposite arm swinging with my um the leg that's moving, you know? And I think that the Nymon are, are using the same arm, so, like, they're doing, like, right arm and right leg at the same time as, and then the left arm and the left leg. Kind of like in that one episode of 30 Rock where Jack is trying to walk normal, and he does, like, he does that, that, <laughs> trying to walk normal by doing, like, arm and leg at the same time, because <laughs> he doesn't know what it's like, because he's on camera or something. I don't know, season one. It was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyways, um... They find the doctor, Romana, Tika, and Seth find this lab, and Tika can't shut up about how much Seth is going to save everyone. Uh, it's kind of annoying. It's to the point where I'm just like, I'm just like, Seth, she's into you. Just make out. And I forgot to mention that Seth, Seth's, Seth's outfit, like, Tika's wearing this really sweet sort of, like, yellow. It's a bit more, like, uh, lush than the guys' outfits are. The girls' ones have, like, more fabric to them, and they're they're kind of cool. But Seth, I don't know if you noticed this, but Seth, like, has, he's, like, he's got this, this, this tunic on, and it's, like, this yellow tunic with, like, yellow pants, the yellow outfit, and he, his shirt is, like, completely unbuttoned, like, halfway down his chest, so he's, like, got this tremendous amount of chest showing, like, kind of in the way that, like, a sleazy guy will, like, unbutton the top half of their shirt and just leave it open, like, yeah, it's open. What up? You know, kind of like yeah. that. <laughs> Every time I see Seth, I just think about how much I think Seth is that guy. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he, he looks like it. Um, he needs a gold chain. He does. He does. Something to match the yellow, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, they find this lab, and they're trying to figure out what the Nymon are up to, and the doctor uh, pulls out his dog whistle and calls K-9... And uh, while this is going on, Saul Deed and his guards are examining the TARDIS, and, and they're like, the door won't open, and then the door opens, a canine walks out, um, and starts, like, shooting people, which is, like, really funny. Like, he just kind of hops out and starts, like, walking around, and, the, and one of the guards just, like, pulls out a gun and shoots him. Canine just, like, stops, spins around, and guns down the guard, like, just completely, like, just shoots him down, which is really <laughs> funny. Um... <laughs> So, um, oh, they, uh, the they, canine they, laser fight. I, oh, there's actually, there's actually is a story. Canine's first story involves canine getting on a, like a corridor laser fight with a bunch of inf- like infected dudes who are like running around with laser guns. It's actually kind of crazy. Um, just fantastic. 
Not really. That story is actually pretty awful. That's the Invisible Enemy. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, so not a fan. Not a fan. Um, so we, we go back to the, the lab, and the doctor realizes that the, the Nymon is trying to do a transmat, um, which is like the tran- the teleportation device used in Doctor Who. Um but they're not using a traditional transmat beam. What they're doing is they have opened a black hole, and they're using the black hole to um, to uh, send the Nymon are using a sh- this black hole to send a ship into the black hole through a gate through like a wormhole that bridges two different black holes, and then out the other side. So that's how they're going to start this invasion that the Doctor's predicting, um, and and. <laughs> And so he realizes this, and he's like, okay, well, I have to shut this down. And while this is going on, the chief guard, Sorak, who has the most ridiculous sleeves I think I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Like, he's... Oh, they're yeah. Like, they're, they're pretty... He looks like a bird. Like, it's... They're like feathers. They're pretty fantastic. Um, <laughs> almost as cool as Soldi's outfit, but alas. Um... He, he he walks up... He walks up to Soldi, and, and he says, okay, well, Soldi... And they manage to take... Canine, I think, because Soldi zaps Canine or something. I don't remember. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Canine is captured. Um, they they go back to Soldi's office, and and Sorak is like, well, "What did the Nyman want?" And Soldi's like, "Well, they're idiots. They don't want anything." And Sorak's like, "That doesn't make sense." He's like, "It doesn't have to make sense. They're the Nyman. They're stupid, and they're gonna give us everything we ever wanted because they want because the Skanis Empire wants to be magic and big again." Um, which is cool. I think it's interesting that Soldi is so full of himself that he doesn't realize what the Nymon are actually planning. So, um, the Nymon gets back to work and, uh, starts putting, like, starts putting together the final preparations because it looks like everything's almost done because these final orbs that the kids have brought will bring in the, uh, start, allow the importation of a lot more Nymon. And, uh, the doctor puts Romana in the, in one of the ships, like this egg ship that arrives um, and this egg ship arrives and brings out three Nymon, and the Nymon go away for whatever reason to go work somewhere else, and the doctor puts Romana in a ship, because Romana starts, like, examining it, and the doctor pushes to leave her, and Romana gets zapped away, and we don't know where Romana's gone, but she leaves with the egg ship, and the doctor tries to bring her back, but he opens up the next egg ship that arrives, and in the egg ship are, like, two more Nymon, and he sends them away, and he panics, um, and so then we get uh, Seth and Tiga are on guard to see if Soldid's coming back and Soldid starts to come back and Soldid shows up and blows up one of the machines and the doctor starts panicking because Romana's gone and um, we're left with this cliffhanger of uh, Soldid pointing the, his magic staff at the doctor and the doctor going like uh oh yeah uh, so that's what that is <clears throat> and then um, we come into part four and Seth shoots him <laughs> Like literally, it's just like the doctor like does this dramatic like pan over like look at look from Soldied right at the camera. He's like, oh no! And then we cut over to like we cut to a wider shot, and Soldied just gets zapped by Seth. Like, Seth Seth's is literally just... two feet away, two yeah, feet he, off he, camera. He just shoots Soldied. Like it's just, just okay. Shoots I guess, him. I guess and the doctor's that. just like, good going, Seth. And he's like, yeah. Did I kill him? No, he's just unconscious. And Seth is just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. And then yeah. like, Tika gets so proud of Seth, which is, again, just get a room. Honestly, just get a room. Uh, <laughs> and we cut to um, 
we cut to Romana, um, who's landed on this planet called Krinoth, which is experiencing the final, like its final, it's in its death throes because the Naimon have already invaded this planet and have sucked it dry because the Naimon feed on energy. Uh, they suck all the energy out of a place like a, like a swarm of locusts and just like devastate a place and then, and then leave and go to the next planet and just suck that planet dry. So that's basically what the Naimon do. And she gets she gets cornered by these um by like a Naimon and she's like oh crap and then what is probably my favorite character in this whole story shows up his name is Sezom and he looks like he looks like Saldeed but like Saldeed if Saldeed was like a warrior he's carrying like a staff and he just like zaps the Naimon and the Naimon goes down so he's kind of he's kind of badass. Um, if you, ask, if you ask me, I, I don't know. I just really love him. I think he's so like he's so he just comes in and like sets things straight and like and he's old and he and he uh, starts talking to Romana about things mm-hmm. and like the Naimon and who they are and they're this they're the species that like they invade a planet. They start as one. They promise someone everything as long as the people do like give like it's like a give take relationship so the Naimon need these things from the Anethans and so they go to Skanas and they say okay Skanas give us all this stuff and then um the Skanas the Skanosians give the Naimon everything and the Naimon are like oh we we'll, we promise you everything and and the Skanosians are like hooray and then the Naimon basically mass invade with a million Naimon and just feast on the planet which again is really really strong i really love the naimon as concept like they're just they're so clever as a as a as a you know a villain or an alien Mm -hmm. race um and it's you know and they have like a a nice sort of mythology because the naimon call like moving from one planet to another the (laughs) the great journey of life which is which is big and epic, but also kind of dark because their life means that they feed on everything that they come into contact with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool. I really again love the Naimon. I just I'm not sure if this is the best vehicle. I think it's kind of a little sloppy. That's just what I think. Um, so Saldid uh, somehow like Saldid is lying on the ground. Seth steals his staff, um, and Saldid like gets up and leaves, and no one notices. Like, Seth, Tekin, the Doctor are hanging out, and no one notices Saldi leaving. But, like, when Saldi gets far enough away, he just laughs maniacally. <laughs> which is which is funny. Um, and so Seth and Tika chase after him, but they're separated because apparently they don't remember that the walls are moving in the complex, so getting separated is very easy. Um, and then we get some more stuff of Romana on, um, on Krinoth. Um, she's going to go back to Skanos, but... but uh, uh, Caesar gives her this magic rock that when focused through energy will take the Naimon. It's like their only weakness. So she takes some and, and she's like, okay, get in the, get in the ship with me. And, and she's holding the staff and Caesar's like, well, I'll get away. You get away. I'll just hold back, but I need my staff back, which is funny because he just gave it to her. Um, and so she gets in the <laughs> ship and kind of waits for the doctor and Caesar like guns down some Naimon and, and, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet in action. I actually really like this part. All the Krenoth stuff is pretty interesting, if you ask me. Just like, you know, it's like a run-and-gun shoot-fest through Krenoth against, like, Romana and some dude who's, like, a battle-hardened wizard lord uh, versus, like, the Naimon, which is epic. Um, that's, I don't know. I, I love I love it. It's, it's, it's also interesting because it's, like, a planet that the Doctor can't save uh, because mm-hmm. Krenoth is about to be destroyed. Um, because it's it's dead. It's just completely dead. Um, 
So, uh, the doctor manages to the doctor manages to reactivate the machine, and Romana gets in the ship and and manage like because the ship is not really piloted by anything; it's not powered. It's just sucked into the black hole and pops out the other side. Um, so the doctor manages to suck Romana back to uh, Skanos, and um, and Cezanne dies protecting Romana, I guess, and Romana. Um, Romana returns and, and realizes that uh, they need to stop um, oh and I think at this point actually Seth comes up again and he's like I lost Tika and then like three Nymons show up and they start going after Romana and Romana tosses this I don't remember what the stone's called but she tosses the stone to to, the, to, Seth, to Seth and Seth puts it in the in the, in the the staff and like zaps some Nymons so Seth goes Nymon hunting which is rad um, and <laughs> it's, it's cool. He's like got this wizard staff, and he's just shooting down Nyman. Um <laughs> And they and so they, um, Romana and and R- Romana and Seth go after Salty because Canine shows up. Canine's been reactivated and manages to head into the complex and locate the Doctor. And the Doctor and Canine work to redirect the black hole so that it won't infect Skanas and it'll just go to some harmless planet where the Nymon will die, which is dark. Um, and and so <laughs> Tika gets captured by Saldeed. And then Saldeed comes up against the three Nymon who are existing on Skanas. This actually might have happened earlier. But, but <laughs> Saldeed is going to keep the kids as a... He's like wants to offer it back to the sacrifice much in the way that the co-pilot was going to do it. And Saldeed sees the three Nymon and loses his goddamn mind. Like <laughs> he, just, he just cannot handle the fact that there might be more than one Nymon because the Nymon have been lying to him the whole time and being like, oh yeah, there's only one of me. Um, there's like three, so Saldeed loses his mind and <laughs> comes across Romana and Romana and Tika and Seth are all re- reunited and Soldi shows up and he's like, and he's like, you guys aren't going to be able to do anything. And, and I'm actually YouTubing this part because it's actually kind of fantastic. But, um, Romana's like, the Naimon have been lying to you. And Soldi does this thing where like all through the story, he's been, he's like the Naimon be praised. But like his delivery of the Naimon be praised in this is phenomenal where he's just like, they will trust, I trust them. They're my God. The Naimon be praised. It's, Oh, it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, um, I forget exactly what happens and how, how he dies, but he starts to lose his mind, and I guess, I don't know, whatever, Seth shoots him. Um, or the Nymon shoot him. I don't know, it doesn't matter. Soldeed's dying. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Not important. Soldeed's dying, and he activates the self-destruct for the complex, and he starts laughing maniacally. All this will be YouTube, so you can go watch it. Um, and... <laughs> And so they manage the, the Doctor Romana, Tika, and Seth all meet up, and they meet up with K Nine, and they meet up with the children who are still alive but need to be woken up, and um, and they all try to escape, and K Nine works on on plotting a course out, uh, including past walls and stuff. It's exciting, and the Naimon are stuck in the complex, and. <laughs> There's this great shot where, like, everything is starting to melt down, and they manage to escape, but then there's, like, this really great solo shot of, like, the control panel where Soldeed died, because he, like, was self-destructing, and I don't know if you noticed this, but Soldeed was gone. Like, he wasn't there. Um, yeah. <laughs> which leads me to believe that Soldeed caused the silence, um, because how awesome would that be? <laughs> <laughs> 
because Saldine, like, he's so larger than life that, like, I imagine him just, like, getting up and leaving. <laughs> he's so over the top, and it's so, like, why was he not there? Like, he wasn't there because they did a reshoot and Graham Crowden wasn't available, so they just shot without him, which doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but I love that he's just not there. And, like, you can basically then go and say, well, Saldine's not really dead. Which I'm going to just say, Saldine's not really dead. There. Yeah, and the rest of the world. <laughs> um, so we can dream. We can dream. That's, I'm 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 stick, I'm sticking by it. I'm waiting for the return of Saldine. Um, let's make this happen. Um, so there's a big kaboom. The complex is destroyed. The Nine plans are 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 foiled. Um, it's really quick breeze through because it's very very sparse and nothing really happens. They go right. back to the TARDIS. The Doctor says, I hope they paint the ship white, which is a, is a throwback to um, uh, the myth of Perseus. Or not Perseus, but Theseus. Because when Theseus was supposed to arrive back at Athens, uh, if, he would, if he had uh, succeeded, he would, he would have white sails drawn. And if he had failed and Theseus was dead, they were supposed to sail with black sails. And Theseus... Theseus forgot to, forgot to put up white sails, so when his father saw that the ship was returning, he threw himself off the cliffs, despite the fact that his son was alive. Uh, so the doctor makes this really sort of oblique reference to that and says, well, maybe if you put the white sails on this time, I forgot to mention it, but hopefully they remember. Um, and uh, that's where we end it. We end with a nice joke about how uh, the TARDIS is more faithful than Romana. Um, and that's it. That's that's the horns of an island. There you go. Real so quick it is. through, but it's, you know, it's a slight story. It's not super yeah. complicated. Um, no, it's slight. not at all, and there wasn't, there's not really a whole lot to discuss about it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Just Soul Deed and how friggin' awesome he is. Yeah, yeah, he's he's crazy over the top. It's wonderful. Um, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, I, I imagine... <clears throat> that he just he yeah I think he went on to do a great many things. <laughs> Maybe he settled down, got a got a life as an accountant, never really yeah. recovered. Still kind of lost his mind, but you yeah, know. <laughs> numbers be praised. <laughs> I swear. No, I was watching this and I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna start saying that at work now. Whenever I whenever I complete like a successful web page that I'm designing, I'm just like, nine be praised, and then people will be very confused. Um, but why not? Because the Nymon are pretty. What cool. religion is that? <laughs> Nymonese. <laughs> Nymonese. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I. I really. I think it's. I think it's. It's one of those stories that like it's very. It's very often slammed in the Doctor Who community. It really is. Um, I know that it, people are starting to come around on it again. I think. Um, but that's mostly because like. At the time, it's not the best. It's not the best vehicle for Tom Baker. Like he's good in it, but he's not at his best. Um, Lala Ward's over the top. Everyone's over the top. It's very cheap, um, and the Diamond look completely ridiculous. And like, yeah, it's one of those things where like, you know, it's not super. It's a it's a decent story, but it's very slight. It's very very slight. Not much happens, um, but. You know, the Nymon are pretty awesome. Like, they're really awesome and worthy of another look at, which is what Big Finish did in this story. And it's, you know, if you if you kind of like the Nymon and hear how we described it, go check out Seasons of Fear. I know it's a bit of a spoiler, um, but it's it's cool. It's available through Big Finish, um, and they do a really good job. And it, there's a sword fight. Uh, Paul McGann gets in a sword fight, which is awesome. Um, Sweet deal. I, I know, right? It's pretty cool. Sweet and it's written by Paul, Paul Cornell, who, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, oh, really nice. Good. Yeah, so it's written by Paul Cornell. Um, or co-written, I think. I think it's also co-written by Caroline Simcox. Don't quote me on that. 
but I think it's her. Okay. Uh, it's a good one. It's really strong. It's towards the beginning. It's actually the next in sequence after the Chimes of Midnight, so if you actually listened to me and went and listened to Chimes of Midnight, which everyone should go do... Um, it's the next in the sequence, and Charlie's really good in it, and it's pretty cool. It's like a, it's a big old epic. There's Roman centurions and and Victorian something or another's, and the Nyman are in it, and it's a great vehicle for the Nyman. So if you're interested in that and like what we said about it, then go check that out because they're pretty cool. And again, go check out the YouTube's on the site because they're pretty sweet. You get to watch Soldi die, which is epic. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on, before we move on, we want to remind you uh, that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to seventy-five percent off and regular discounts of forty percent off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you could save fifty percent off. Ship is off as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping so thanks to DCBService.com next week the time meddler yes very very famous story uh, first pseudo historical first story featuring the meddling monk uh, a lot of firsts in it um very interesting not my favorite um but i think it's it's worth talking about especially early on because it's some pretty decent heart and i'll uh, i have my own issues with the monk but maybe i'll like it and vikings there are totally vikings in it and it's pretty sweet sweet deal yeah sweet deal um, on deck we have a centauran experiment or not the centauran experiment the centauran story from david uh Tennant's era which is centauran stratagem poison sky and then after that we have um Gosh, is it Deadly Assassin already? God, I can't yeah. wait. Okay, so then yep. Deadly Assassin, and then we'll be on hiatus for New Who, which tells you how far away New Who is. Um, very exciting. So and everyone, exciting. everyone should go watch the Deadly Assassin because it's phenomenal. It's like the seminal it is really timeline good. story. Yeah, really good. It and is really, probably really my, good. Probably my favorite master story I've ever heard or seen in my life. Like, I just think it's a phenomenal master story. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Oh, definitely can't wait to talk about it. Uh, Geekin' this week is the final episode, 150. The um, end of an era. Yes, the end of an era, f- indeed. Um, so yeah, that's that's happening this week. Uh, Geekin' Extra this week will be Why the Last Man, Volume 3. Uh, so we'll be talking about Why the Last Man. Uh, Movie Night and Geek Show out now is Amadeus, which is uh, an episode that you guessed it on. I did, it was uh, fun. So, I had a really good time. Yeah, yeah, so did I. Um, so you should, guys should go check that out if you um, have, uh, even if you haven't seen Amadeus, we, uh, we, the, we structured the episodes so that we talk about the movie without spoilers, and then halfway through we switch to spoilers, so mm-hmm. you can uh, listen to the first half at least. But still, Having not go seen watch the, the film because it's really good. Like, go watch it yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, yeah. you have to set, a, set aside an afternoon, but... <laughs> worth it, worth it. <laughs> It's long, but it's worth it. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about my pick of Happy Thank You More, Please, uh, which is the uh, first film from writer-director star Josh Radner um, of How I Met Your Mother fame. He plays Ted. And, yeah, it's 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 a good one, and it's in theaters now, and that's the first time that we've done a review on the show uh, for a film that's in theaters currently. Mm-hmm. But I want people to go see it, so... Um, and if you like me, I'll is. be on it. So yes, I'll be talking be guesting about again. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. Yes. Um, so yeah. So Amadeus, happy. Thank you. More please. Um, and then of course all the other podcasts that you can 
download from geekshowentertainment.com or through iTunes. Uh, and you should go to the website too because you know you want to go check out those YouTubes and you want to check out the other articles and things that we post. And you should comment on the episodes. Um, oh yeah, because, there was some really good yeah. discussion this week um, from a commenter, yeah. and I, I had a really nice discussion with him. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, leave iTunes re- reviews. We haven't had a single iTunes review since we started doing the flashback episodes. Um, so, you should do that. <laughs> Come on, guys. I throw a challenge out. I throw a challenge out. We should, we yes. should, do, a con- we should do a contest. You know, just saying, like, fifth person who can prove that they had their iTunes review gets something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I could give them, though. <laughs> something Doctor Who related. Well, obviously. Tell you what, tell you what. If you if you are the fifth person to leave an iTunes review, I will buy you an audio play. There. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There you go, guys. You heard it. So go uh <laughs> go go leave a review for the show. And if you're you the have fifth to be able one, to prove it. You have to prove that it was you. That's the thing. So yeah. I don't want I don't want to get like thirty emails from people saying, "Oh my gosh, I was totally the fifth person." But if you if you are the fifth person to leave an iTunes review from right now, I will buy you an audio play. Yeah, and we I will make sure it's a good one. October, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure it's a, I'll make sure it's a good one. Uh, you can pick what doctor you want. Uh, it's going to be a Davis and a Colin Baker or a McCoy or a McGann, uh, but I'll pick something for you, and uh, it'll be really good. I promise. I promise. <laughs> So there you go. Um, also, uh, where where can people find you on the internet, Matt? Oh, you can find me at twitter.com slash gungadin, uh, where I talk about random things, uh, mostly. I had my 10,000 tweets this week. That was that was sobering. Uh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, um, but if you if you actually, I don't, not, not to pimp my Twitter feed too much, but if you go back and you find my 10,000th tweet, I have a pretty phenomenal 15-second Centauran clip that is phenomenal. So if you want to go find it, I swear it's worth your time because uh, it's only 15 seconds and I, I guarantee you will laugh. Unless you don't, in which case, fine, I guess you didn't like fun. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna get letters about that. Um so anyways, you can also find me at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Classical Gallifrey is a website that I run. It's a blog where I review a classic story every week. Uh this is the month of March and we just finished our first anniversary doing doing the, the blog. I realized that I'm actually working on the sixty fourth post right now, which is pretty insane. Uh especially because they're so long. Um, not the best way to pimp your blog by saying something's long. Um, but last week we talked about uh, Keeper of Trocken and Legopolis. Uh, Cassandra, my girlfriend, hi Cassandra, did Keeper of Trocken. It was pretty, pretty actually excellent. And I talked about Legopolis. Came down really hard on it, but that's just because I find there's a lot to critique in it. Um, a lot to yeah, discuss. Yeah, I, I read it. I thought it was really good. Oh, thank you. So, thank you very much. Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's some really interesting things, weird choices that they do that I don't necessarily subscribe to. Um, and then this week, we're actually continuing the train of uh, after a regeneration story, I always do a post-regeneration post story, not necessarily of the continuing doctor after that, but just a regeneration story. But this time, I'm actually doing that. Uh, so, like, last week we talked about Legopolis, so this week we're talking about Castrovalva. Uh, and I'm trying to make it as different from the podcast as, as I can by discussing things that are just, you know, more discussion than recap. Um, so if you like Castrovalva, uh, you like me, go go check it out. It'll be good, I promise. Uh, it will should be up late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Uh, and that's, that's where you can find me. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, and then you can find me, of course, on geekshowentertainment.com as well as... Uh, the podcast Geekin, which is having its final episode, 
uh, Movie Night at Geek Show, Geek Show Soundcheck, all of those. Um, you can find me uh, doing uh, hosting duties on all those shows. And then uh, also twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. And then my, my other... Uh, my other Twitter account is uh, Scott Commentary. I'm sorry, guys. I am like way lacking on sleep, so my mouth isn't working properly with my brain. <laughs> that knockhead nice Nemeth Note too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you can email the show at tdcgeekshow.us, and you should do that because um, why not? Email. Right? We respond yeah, to all of we them. Do. Anything we do. Anything we do. We do. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so uh, also um, announced last week on Geekin 149, uh, there's going to be a new flagship podcast uh, on Geek Show Entertainment starting in May, and it's called The Geek Show with Scott and Matt. Um, Scott being me, Matt being you. What, what? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. Oh, man. (laughs) That's a a total surprise. That's not... um... Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really sweet. Um, Should be premiering late May? Mid late May. Yes, yeah, so, just sometime in May. I'm I'm not sure when exactly, sure. But, but it'll be fun. In it'll May. be cool and flagship. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you like this show, you're definitely going to want to uh, subscribe to the Geek Show um, when it premieres then, and uh, we'll let you know, of course, when it gets closer on this show. So, good times, good times. Sweet. Yes. All right, guys. We'll uh, talk to you next week with the Time Meddler. See you guys. Bye.